And welcome back to the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com podcast interview of Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. They're the creative team of the Spider-Girl title at Marvel. In this part of the interview, we're talking to Tom and Ron about the alleged last issue of Spider-Girl. The book has been on the cancellation block many times, and the last issue was even solicited with a cover and a description. I asked Ron about the inspiration for that last cover. Also, I think, Ron, you designed a cover for that last issue. May is kind of leaning against something, pointing... Yeah. Well, it was a spoof oh, okay, of yeah. What If 105, where uh, where all the copy was about her. You know, she's she's yeah. standing in a similar position, leaning on a copy block, but she's shrugging her shoulders. It yeah. made it out onto the Internet, too, which I was surprised by. And uh, it basically it just had all the same copy, but, you know, uh, it's who was she and uh, the next generation of Spidey excitement ends here, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, that was, you know, I, and I guess Tom said, I penciled the first few pages, and uh, it was part of that whole April Fool's, are we canceled or aren't we thing, And because I, I was more than thrilled to stop working on this issue if I could help it, because, I mean, getting hired to, to wrap up Spider-Girl uh, was, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of comics work at the time, so if there was a chance that it was renewed, and if there was actually a chance that Pat wasn't coming back and I was going to do it, I was all for it. Um, it you know, it, it's the story is what it is. I mean, it, we, the the basic premise, I think, would will hold up no matter what. But I mean, so much has changed in the interim that it would right. be it would have to go through rewrites and stuff. You know, I mean, it's not something Tom and I think about at all anymore, as far as uh, an option or, you know, it, it, there's no way you could just pull it out and polish mm-hmm. it and have it work. Do you think, Tom? No. Not at this point. i, I got to be honest. I'm not even trying to even have a copy of it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I know I have a copy of it, and I have my thumbnails that I had done and, and, and uh, some Xeroxes of the pages, But because I only did like two or three pages of the job. I thumbnailed a bit more of it, but uh, and they were inked by Al Williamson. But, um, you know, it, it, basically at this point, there's no way you could just plug it in. I mean, at one point, one of the editors we've had said, well, let's just finish it and we'll slot it. You know, do it when you have time, and then when we need it, we'll plug it in. But I, I dragged my feet about it until I talked to Tom because they said, Tom, that's not a good idea, is it? Because, I mean, so much stuff is happening with the continuity from month to month that, you know, you can't just plug something in. That it, It's not generic enough. It, it's based on whatever's happening at the time that the book wraps, even though it's 15 years in the future. I mean, you know, so the, the heart wouldn't be there if it was something that was sitting in a drawer waiting to be published. So I wasn't comfortable with that, and Tom talked the editor out of yeah. it. and So it's still sitting out there as the amorphous yeah. last issue, but, I mean, it's it's not a threat. It's not, you know, it's not a, there's nothing scary about it, and it just, you know, I'm sure it'll be a very different animal if yeah. and when it ever runs, you know. So right. here's hoping to, that it never does. And uh, my last comment is uh, just uh, my favorite issue that you guys have done on Spider-Girl is number 81, uh, where uh, we uh, see an aging Electro trying to reconnect with uh, his daughter, and Peter comes out of, briefly comes out of retirement and dons a costume to help him. Um, I'm, a, uh, I'm an aging fanboy who actually lives <laughs> in his own basement now, and I've got two kids, and my daughter is going to be a teenager this year. And I just, <laughs> I just want to, I'm sorry? <laughs> My condolences. Oh, yes, yes, that's what everyone's telling me. And 
uh, you know, that was just a very special story. I mean, Electro has to go through both physical and emotional pain because of their, their respective energies to, to reconnect with her. And, you know, Spider-Man has, you know, a couple of sayings that just kind of really, well, but boy, that's, that's, that's obviously somebody, somebody's right this who's actually a parent uh, about Oops. it being a 24-7 job and how much it hurts and, and how much uh, that uh, you, you're never really ready for it. You just grow into it. And uh, so I just wanted to, to sign off by saying that's a very uh, special issue to me, and uh, I thought you guys did a wonderful job with it. Well, thank uh, thank you. I, I'm very gratified by that because I think it's, it was one of the issues that Tom and I, the beast that is the Seco Friends, <laughs> <laughs> that was very representative of that beast, I would say. Wouldn't you, Tom? Uh, I guess so. You know, I mean, I, I, I kind of felt that was one of our, you know, a, a, a true collaboration, and uh, it came from the heart. Um, I, I, I don't think I should destroy too many illusions <laughs> yeah. on that one, so we'll just leave it at that. But thank uh, you very much. That, that issue meant a lot to me as well. So, uh, Ron came up with the initial storyline and you know most of the conflicts and. Um, yeah, but know. neither one of us are really parents. We're just both yeah. really involved <laughs> uncles. Yeah, that's awesome. And, but, but we've seen we've seen our relatives go through all this sort of stuff. And we were kids, which I think that was you know I, I think that story was actually more informed by being a kid and having parents than it was by actually being a parent. But it's nice that it works. Well, let's way, uh, tackle some of the other uh, questions that the fans have. Uh, let's start with uh, son. A son on SJ is his handle, and he asks, oh, you got all the guys love this first question. Will the MC2 universe ever do a crossover with the zombie universe? <laughs> um, <laughs> Isn't no, that I, what the last <laughs> Avengers Next series was? Well, there you go. I Didn't think they, they fight zombies? Yeah. That was a spiritual yeah. crossover right there. Yeah. I, well, I guess so. Uh, yeah, anything yeah. is possible, um, but, um, you know, certain things yeah. are not sure. His, his second question is, uh, what yeah. are the chances that more one-shots, minis, limited, or ongoing series of the rest of the MC2 universe will be released? Um, well, there's, there's a very good chance because uh, I guess I guess it's this summer. I'm not sure if it's June or July we're coming out with. You know, yet okay. another limited series. Um, this one will feature the mm. Fantastic Five. And, um, Done by the team that brought you the last day of Avengers Next series, Tom right. DeMoco and Ron Lim. And um, the, the title, you know, the, the overall title is mm. called The Final Doom. Uh, so you can yeah. guess. You it's know, Loki, right? No, just kidding. <laughs> His third question is Are there any plans for a sort of a celebration for Spider Girl's 10th anniversary? Uh, yeah, sort of, kinda. When uh, is that? I, I think that's issue fifteen. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, uh, um, Molly. I'd like, I'd like to celebrate it by having sixteen. <laughs> that's what I. We'll have a celebratory <laughs> pizza cake or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Molly called me up and reminded me that Spider Girl's tenth anniversary is coming up, and. Um, you know, and said, we've got to do something special for that. And I said, yeah, we do. And I yeah, said, is it really crazy? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and then I just want to remind the entire industry that Ryan and I can do other <laughs> things aside from Spider-Girl. <laughs> That's true. So the, the, the 10th anniversary issue of Spider-Girl will not feature Spider-Girl, but every other character <laughs> we'd like to take a crack at. Well, the funniest thing is, 
you know, Spider Girl has been yeah. around for ten years now, and in the in the current industry, you think, hey, that's yeah. pretty good. So, so if if you were an editor working for a, uh, a comic book company, you'd say, well, maybe we should get these guys to do some other things because hey, well, they could do a book. Hint, hint, if anybody's years. listening. <laughs> All right, next question. Jano42 asks, uh, he loves your work, uh, especially in Spider-Girl. His question is, what is your favorite Spider-Man and Spider-Girl villain and why? Uh, well, my favorite Spider-Man villain um, uh-huh. is Dr. Octopus because in many regards... You know, Otto Octavius is the man Peter yeah. Parker could have become. So they are, you know, kind of, you know, you know, Funhouse Mirror. Right. Ron, what's your? Other. Oh, go ahead. You have a Spider Girl favorite um, villain too. I'm sorry, Tom. Let, let, let Ron talk. I got to think about Spider Girl villain. Well, actually, the Spider Man. I'm too big a geek <laughs> to really pick one because uh, during that run of classic villains, I mean, there, there's just all kinds of stuff. I mean. I, for some reason, I was always, uh, when Tom and I did like the annual, I believe it was in 1994 or something like that, the one that uh, Ben Riley was flashing back to uh, uh, the moment that Captain Stacy figured out uh, that, that Pete was Spider-Man. I, I, we, um, the, the villain was up for grabs, and Tom said, are there any classic villains you'd like to do? And the first yeah. thing that came to mind was Craven. I mean, I don't know whether he was my absolute favorite or not because there, I've liked so many for so many different reasons. But when I when I was given the opportunity yeah. to pick, that's who I picked. So I'm going to have to. Ron, you got a favorite Spider, Spider Girl that villain answer. that you like, or is there one that you hate to draw? Or um, yeah. I like I like all of them. I I have this disease where I I tend to keep playing with them and driving Tom crazy by coming yeah. up with little redesigns and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, some of them fly, <laughs> some of them don't. Depending on Tom's mood at the time, I think, but uh, and just the you know not going yeah. too far afield from what the fans are expecting and stuff. But I, I enjoyed Killer yeah. Watt a lot. I thought he and Pat did a wonderful job. I like with the, I got the drama the late, next. And, I like the latest, uh, the Mad Dog one. I think he's really cool. Well, well yeah, but he's yeah. not a villain though. He's he's one of our colorful cast of uh, supporting characters. But yeah, that was a character that. Uh, of course, is tied into the old yeah. Code Blue run and everything, and uh, uh, already had for Tom and I was like an old friend, you know, like so many of the characters that we play with yeah. in, in Spider Girl. It's kind of yeah. greeting an old friend again, but uh, seeing him after all these years, which is, you know, it was interesting to me because the one question was about uh, do we handle Pete any more differently than uh, as an adult or as as a parent than than we did as uh, as, a, as the lead character. And, you know, we've, we're living a dream, a fanboy's dream here, because we actually get to write the character um, more than anybody ever has before as us, in that we get right. to, he, he aged with us. Um, when we came back on the book, when we actually sat down to Plot 105, do, I mean, do the math. I mean, for Tom, he had been on the run in the 90s and stuff, but for me, I hadn't done the book since, what, 85, 86? And we were doing this in 97, something like yeah. that, 97, 98, I think. So, you know, for me, it really was coming back into the character and greeting old friends. It's just all this stuff yeah. that happened in the meantime, you know. And uh, we actually get to inhabit that 
more than a lot of creators ever get the chance because, you know, Pete is generally around our age now and he's generally having the same life experiences and dealing with some of the, you know, the same stuff. And, and, uh, you know, how many writers and how many artists get to get to do that, get to really have the character age with them. And, uh, you know, so this was a unique opportunity. And we used to discuss Pete out the wazoo Mm -hmm. when we were on the book in the eighties and really knew the character very well. And, you know, he still very much is the same guy. He's just, uh, you know, dealing with different responsibilities and dealing with and, and feeling overwhelmed like everybody does. And what I really have come to enjoy, because I was never a huge proponent of the marriage to begin with, is I love his yeah. relationship with, with MJ because she has put up with so much crap, but they have an amazing bond. And the one thing Pete never has to doubt right. is MJ's loyalty. She is there for the long haul, and you know that's a hell of a relationship. And we've gotten a chance, just in some issues we've just completed and issues we're going into, right. to deal with that a little bit more. And because we changed the um, point of view a little bit, I had just gotten done doing an interview with somebody where I said the I, the, the one scene I would love to do is the uh, some of Pete and Mary yeah. Jane's pillow talk about May Day and about their life and everything, and we never really get a chance to do that because the book is done from right. May Day's point of view, and that's gross. <laughs> but then as soon as I did that interview, I got the next plot, and Tom decided to go with Mary yeah. Jane narrating the issue, and I got and we got to do a scene where we see them getting ready for bed and talking about what's going on in their lives. And, and for me, it was a really yeah. fun insight to the back and forth of these two people who have been through the war together, you know, and really do respect each other and, and, uh, and know that, I mean, how many people go through those kinds of experiences where you just know right. that this other person has your back? I mean, that, that's just an incredible relationship, and I, I'd love to be able to, you know, to, to put that on display a little bit more. But, you know, for May Day, that's Well, Tom, before we go to the next question, your, your favorite Spider-Girl villain, did you, did you think of one or – you love them all. The, the is, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> They're you know, all I my love, children. I, I right. love whichever one I'm writing yeah. now. Because right. you have to love them. See, I love the ones the, the ones you love the most are the ones that oh. fans don't respond <laughs> to as well. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones, you know, because, I mean, I, I got a, um, we did the, to uh, uh, really take the love and yeah. tome too much. And it, and it, I, you know, that makes me just want to bring her back yeah. and do something else with her, you know, <laughs> and and win people over and things like that. So it's uh, sometimes it's the ones that I that I pushed for <laughs> the kind of bomb that I want to I, <laughs> I want to take well, another Slade shot at. eighty three B asks uh, of the contributions you've made to the Spider Man mythos over the years, which one are you the most proud of and why? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Mary yeah, Jane's two fifty nine from Amazing, yeah. It's, a, it's amazing <laughs> that you remember the number, but uh, but yeah, it's just um, Ron and I. You know, I remember we kept talking about Mary Jane, trying to figure out. Okay, she's she's a good looking woman, um, but people right. were surrounded by good looking women, and there had to be something about Mary Jane that you know, went beyond her looks, something more to her. And we kept trying to figure out 
you know, who was Mary right. Jane? Um, and, um, and, and that story grew out yeah. of our conversation. Ron, Ron, what's your favorite contribution? Uh, I would have to take that and and adding to it the the fact that she she knew Pete was uh, right. was Spider Man. I mean, it was all kind of part and parcel. That's all around the same time when we found out more about her. But deepening that connection, I mean, you know, like I said, I wasn't a big proponent of the marriage at the time. But then again, we were yeah. pretty much responsible for it too, to a certain degree, um, because you know we brought the characters that much closer. But I enjoy that aspect right. of their connection. That uh, you know, the, because we because we did do Mary Jane's background, it just deepened their connection. And when we finally did the story where she told Pete, you know, I I, I reread that now, and you know, poor <laughs> Pete had to feel like an yeah. idiot because he'd known this woman for you know for a long time at this point, but he was right. never curious enough to even ask. <laughs> so he had to feel like an ass, you know. And and yet it just deepened their connection and their friendship. And you know, to think that somebody's kind of a scatterbrain to actually. You know, Pete was kind of going on the assumption that, oh, Mary Jane's the last person I would trust with this secret. To find out she had been keeping it all these years for him, that's an amazing gift. And uh, I think has a lot to do with, you know, the the trust that they have. Venom 65437 asked. Ah, Venom, one of our moderators. He's always wanted to know if either of you guys uh, have had had a Spider-Man or a Spider-Girl story that you wanted to tell and you thought was interesting, but were turned down. Tom? I don't... Oh. I don't okay. think so. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, leads, nothing leads to mind for me either. I mean, because if I really believe a story's worth telling, you know, Tom and I will discuss it, and it may take a slightly different form or something, but... Uh, that's you awesome. Know, we're we're pretty lucky. We get, <laughs> we get to vent our spleens. Yeah, and you know there have been times where you know an editor said, you know, I don't, I don't particularly like this idea, you know. So then Ron and I would just come back at it with another twist, um, and eventually, you know, right. could, you know, convince the editor that yeah. it would work. Um, yeah, I don't really remember a specific incident where we were ever denied. You know that uh, we right. just felt, you know, like we were that we were we had yeah. it taken from us or anything. Now, no. uh, no, no. F Spider Man is his name. He's from Colorado. He's one of our favorites on the board. He says, "My question would be for Ron Friends. I remember when Ron took over on Amazing Spider Man after JRJR left. I was just a mere middle schooler, but absolutely hated the change." I even wrote to Marvel complaining about Ron's work. However, after a while, Ron has grown to be my favorite artist, and I consider him a huge influence on his work. He's also a cartoonist. And his question is, how does Ron deal with negative feedback on his work, specifically when he was just starting out? Uh, you, you take what you can and uh, uh, include it. I mean, you, if, it, if, it's, if it's solid criticism... I, the, the the thing that you really need the most if you're going to do this professionally is some. Uh, you have to exercise objectivity of your own work. You have to really be realistic about where you are compared to the people you admire and compared to the people you you know your contemporaries and everything. So if somebody gives you criticism, then you have to be able to recognize if it's legitimate criticism, and you have to be able to act on it. Um, I you know I've I've had criticism all <laughs> my life yeah. and all my career, and most yeah. of it has been positive. 
Um, you know, I mean, the, the only thing that's occasionally frustrating, because I think I have kind of have a reputation on the message board for being overly sensitive, and the only thing that, that, that sometimes is frustrating is that you, when you don't have the avenue to tell somebody about your thought process or to explain why you tried something, you know, I mean, because I, no, I have no problem admitting that I've tried a lot of things that have fallen <laughs> flat on their faces. Uh, I, you know, I, I, if you're in this industry long enough, you experiment and you try new things, and sometimes you're trying to meet a standard that nobody is really uh, oppressing you with, but you feel yeah. you need to experiment and things. And uh, usually you, it's a big circle and you come back around to, to square one yeah. and you rediscover your yourself again. But, um, you know, and some of that's good, some of it's bad, whatever. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, criticism, you, you take it with a grain of salt. Uh, try to always take it, even if it's phrased poorly, try to take it as a, as a positive. And, and be as honest with yourself as possible as to whether or not it's really something you have to yeah. attend to. G um, Jim Yost from uh, New Jersey asks, he says, a complete dork in me wants to know whose idea it was for the symbiote costume to shoot the webs out of the back of the hand, only because he thought as a kid that was the coolest freaking thing ever. <laughs> Tom? Um... I've got to be honest. Yeah. I I don't know. I I know that at the time, you know, we were working on the black costume. We were trying to figure out, you know, yeah. things that were different about it. Um, and uh, the the fact that it had unlimited webbing was one of the things. Um, the fact that it could you know open up and you know Peter could put things in pockets and the the you know the webbing yeah. coming out of the back of the hand. Um, I'm not exactly sure where those ideas came from. I would say that, you know, Jim Shooter, if, if he didn't come up with the ideas himself, um, certainly was the guy who proved all of and, those ideas. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'd have, if I had to take a guess, I'd, I'd, I'd narrow it down to three people. Is it Jim Shooter, Mike Zeck, or Rick Leonardi? Because all of the sketches I was provided with were either by Mike Zeck or Rick Leonardi, and it was, you know, it had already been decided before I got there. So I'm assuming it was one of those three gentlemen and or something. Venom six five four three seven again has another question. He, uh, since Tom has worked on Spidey in the past, I want to know what he thinks of the recent events in Spider-Man, specifically the unmasking, and if he thinks Peter would really do that. This is where Tom <laughs> becomes very political and, and says nothing that's going to make trouble. Well. The, the, the truth is, I am, you know, I, I did not get the comic yeah. books for free. And, um, you know, I had to go out and buy them. And sometimes they're there, sometimes they're, they're not there. Sometimes I feel like buying them. Sometimes I don't feel like buying them. And, the, you know, the, the, the real truth is, I'm really not all that familiar with what's happening with, with uh, Peter Parker these days. Um, because... Uh, Right. Yeah, I really haven't been following the book. It's like, it, it, uh, you know, yeah, we don't tend to have a policy where we, where we try to follow what's current and try to fold it into the spider right. continuity, the spider girl continuity, or anything. We're pretty much kind of running independently at this point. I mean, occasionally if there's something, I mean, because like the issue I'm working on right now, there's a character that didn't exist when we actually broke off from the main trunk of the Marvel universe that we're enfolding in, and there have been some right. other characters like that along the way. 
but for the most part, we don't keep abreast of what's going on because right. it doesn't really affect us. And yeah, we don't get the, <laughs> I don't get freebies anymore either. So I, I haven't read I haven't read Civil War. I have a couple of close friends who have been following it, and they kind of keep yeah. me generally aware. But uh, uh, you know, we haven't been reading the stuff. Uh, I read Civil War, um, which uh, <laughs> I prefer not to talk about. Um, but you know, a, a lot of the Spider-Man books, at a certain point, I, they weren't. Yeah. What I was looking for in a Spider-Man right. book, so I... Uh, Bettle, 1303, uh, he kind of... Ta- we already talked about his first question, but the one we haven't talked about is the cancellation of the Green Goblin comic back in 96. What plans did you have for the character? Um, I don't... You know... Yeah. I did have plans, <laughs> but I don't know what they were yeah. anymore. I... Yeah. I um, uh, you know, when I would find out that a book was canceled, most of the time I would take the, the material that I had planned and I would just, um, you know, wrap right. it up and toss it out. Uh, because I could vote for this because it happened on Spider-Girl <laughs> a couple of times. A couple of times, yeah. It, it, it took me like three cancellations to realize yeah. that I should not do that anymore. <laughs> it's been ten years, um, 96, so more than ten. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I just, it's, it's part of the way that I emotionally distance myself. You know, most of the, I know writers, some writers, they, they take the same stories and they just change them to other characters. But the stuff I do is so character centric that it never works. You know, I just can't, you know, take a, you know, a a Green Goblin story and turn it into a Spider-Girl story or anything else like that. I, I know that. So basically, if the if the book is yeah. is gone or I'm taking off the yeah. book, this stuff is useless to me. So I just kind of t- wrap it up and toss it out. And um, so I I can't say what I, you know, I uh, the the Green Goblin at the time it was canceled was another one of those things where it was actually increasing yeah. in sales every month. But Marvel. Uh, decided they wanted to bring back Norman Osborn. And, and, you know, I'm going to toot my own horn here for a second because I wasn't even doing the book at the time. Pat was doing the book again. I was sharing studio space with him, and I was constantly kvetching. And I would, we were, Tom and I were still talking, even though we weren't working together. Well, we were working together on A Next and all this kind of stuff. And I was always very free with throwing ideas against the wall and all this stuff. And, And I actually think I can take credit for Phil Urich oh. showing up. Oh, I, I think it's worked out. I mean, the character could have just been lost, I, but he he still has a life ten years later. You know, in the book, uh, right. Wombat right. Wombat nine oh nine asks, "How old is Mayday?" Yeah, right now. Um, we saw her turn sixteen. <laughs> we haven't seen her turn seventeen. Right. Yeah. She's she's has started her junior year in high school, so okay. at a certain point she'll become seventeen. Yeah, I mean, we we showed her sweet sixteen, and she's not yeah. seventeen unless we acknowledge it. So she's, uh, you know, at this point, so uh, we should see a storyline of her getting her so driver's license or something pretty soon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. No. She, well, she, lives, oh, really, she lives in Forest Hills, Queens. Right. Yeah, I mean, they okay. use a lot of mass transit there and stuff. I mean, a lot of people go yeah. to adulthood in New York without getting a driver's license. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially when they can web car. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. The, the driver's license is 
if you live, you know, in, in you know, the yeah. New York City proper, which Farsos Queens is part of, um, driver's licenses are not that important because yep. there's no place David to uh, G. asks, how long has Peter been retired from being Spider-Man? I guess it's about oh, that's, 15 I years, I guess, it. is the general that, that, yeah. number. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah, uh, she. We seem to suggest that yeah, May was right. still a baby when he. He also asks, life, uh, so. "How old is yeah. Peter in the Spider Girl universe?" A guesstimate, I guess. You know, I'd say, you know, late thirties. Uh, yeah, I, I've always I kind of crossed them over over the last ten years. I've kind of crossed yeah. them over to the early forties, but yeah. Mm. You know, and Mary Jane as well, which is you know when people give me crap yeah. about not making Mary Jane look too old. <laughs> Have you seen Salma Hayek lately? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, she's 41. Uh, you know, exactly. Christy Brinkley is 51 she'll, or something like that. You know, I mean, Mary Jane's one of these people that... She'll, she's she'll be Aunt be May's Jane. age so, and she'll still be attractive. <laughs> I, I have a feeling, I, you know, I, I, I actually said, Tom, I read an article. I read an article at one point about hot moms and how teenage girls deal with hot moms. I actually hear I said it to Tom because... That's Mayday. Spider-Craft you know, from mom. Novi, Michigan. Yeah. He says, Tom, t- tell me how the idea of making Jubilee the head of the only, last I checked, remaining mutant team in MC2, and also her being a one-time Avenger, came about. Um, well, first off, you know, it's not the only remaining yeah. I was going to say that, too. Yes, it's been you established know? that there is an X-Men team. So Yeah. Um, she was okay. Uh, now, how did we decide she was an Avenger? Well, when we did one of one hundred five, we, we decided to have a scene where uh, you know, Peter goes yeah. to the Avengers for help, um, and we discussed that like we discussed everything ad nauseum, trying to figure out who would be yeah. in the Avengers and that sort of stuff. And I, I don't know why we decided to throw Jubilee in there. Well, we we wanted we wanted uh, some adult versions of pre of uh, right. characters that already existed in six one six. Right. I mean, we were willing to. I mean, cause I threw in uh, Thunderstrike because it was a design that was up on my wall from like <laughs> from like a couple of months after Thunderstrike got canceled. So I, I wanted to throw him in, but everybody else, it was a it was just like a, a you know Speedball was a teenage character that would be an adult and things like that and. You know, so we just like grabbed on to some pre-existing yeah. characters that would have aged well and and still been active. You know, so that's uh, she was one of them. I mean, we that scene went through a couple of permutations yeah. before it actually saw print. Um, in that scene, I think it's been talked about before. In that yeah. scene, we had the Juggernaut standing there, and we had done the Juggernaut and Thunderstrike, and I just always loved the character. So I said, "How about the Juggernaut?" Because we we wanted it to be somebody who had, you know, was known as a villain, right. but wow, look at that. Things happened in 15 right. years. He's reformed, you know, that kind of thing. And in some early liner notes, he was, they were referring oh. to him as Kane for Kane Marco. So it was supposed to be juggernaut. It was, um, it was our editor in chief at the time. <laughs> Hep me, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Harris. Bob Harris, who, you know, said, oh, and I especially love this whole son of juggernaut idea you have in this Avengers shot. And Tom <laughs> went, yeah, wasn't that something? And we just kind of ran with it because, you know, as far as I was concerned, it had been Kane, but it suddenly became his son, you know, and then it was a wonderful opportunity to kind of create on the fly there. 
But we even did. I remember we even there was one version of that panel where oh. Carnage is standing there. Yeah, but I, I yeah, I, we yeah. Had and, that, and that was too much. Yeah, we took that out, and it uh, and we, you know, we had the vision on the on the view screen, and and uh, you know we, we it wasn't until years later that we addressed oh. what his status was and everything. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of a fun little. Who would still be right. active? Who could be an Avenger type of thing? You know, when we yeah. did what if one hundred five, we you know, th- those Avengers there were, were there for uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to say three or four panels. One panel. They're still talking one. about that one panel. One panel. <laughs> yeah. okay. okay, we it never occurred to us that we would ever deal with those characters again. Right. Uh, and and when he goes to Fantastic, you know, Five headquarters, we decide, ah, oh, yeah. we'll call them the Fantastic Five, and we'll you know. Frankly, and Frankie will be an adult, but different right. than he looks in the alternate from the alternate Frankie. And, and then, you know, and, and Ron, I always remember said, "Hey, how about I put the robot in as one of the members?" And well, my really like, gross idea at the time I did that drawing was that there was a Herbie robot going around yeah. that actually had Reed's <laughs> brain in it. And when Tom, of course, when Tom decided to do Fantastic Five as a series, yeah. that you know that became less the case, and he had better ideas for how to utilize Reed and everything. But yeah, the initial idea was actually that you know, they saved <laughs> Reed Richards' brain, and it was flying around it's in a Harvey classic robot. Classic Star Trek episode, still, you know, Spock's being, brain. Uh, yeah, helpful. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But, but again, you know, they were just there for a panel or two. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and and it was just a picture yeah. on the wall. They they didn't actually right. appear there. We were just creating on the fly, and also it never occurred to us yeah. that we would ever have to revisit these characters. Spider-Craft yeah, has yeah, exactly. another question exactly. about uh, the idea of making the MC2 Felicia, the black cat, a lesbian. He says he didn't see that one coming. How did the idea for that come about? Um, <laughs> be honest, Tom. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest. I, I don't really remember is we were trying to figure out uh, around that time period, you know, um, I, I, I believe Felicia was dating Flash Thompson in the actual comic books. Right. Um, you know, in the actual Spider-Man books, which everybody kind of forgets. Um, and Felicia always just right. struck me as such a wild spirit that yeah, it just I, seemed kind of natural. Yeah, I I don't know if we really consider her a lesbian. I yeah. think we consider her more omnisexual. Yeah. Kevin Smith yeah. even p- picked that up in that that um, awful miniseries that he did about. Yeah, he he picked that thread up that oh, she that right? has a girlfriend or whatever. So, oh, you guys came first, came I think. Jr. Did it come first? I, or do we? Right. Uh, yeah, I believe they came first. See, with, the, I, uh, with the idea. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we always come first. You know, oh, we, were Tom, black, uh, uh, we were back in black. We were back in black a year ago. Tom, <laughs> it makes you. Tom, what have I told you? It makes you seem bitter. Spidercaster doesn't really have a question. He just wanted to thank uh, both of you guys for a fantastic job on the book, and he applaud them for putting out an all ages book that anyone can enjoy. So it's a little compliment for you guys. <laughs> well, we do it just for him. Uh, FSU nice Spider Fan, he says he'd like to ask if May was uh, was. Re- Let me take that again. I'd like to ask that if May was to return to the current six one six continuity as a young child, how would you like that to happen? Uh, this is not anything I've ever thought about, and you know, I would guess that if if they decided to 
to bring back Baby May into the current continuity that um, nobody would consult with us anyway. So no, I'm sure they wouldn't, and and yeah. I think they yeah. unfortunately would get bored with it. <laughs> it, it, it. The problem with bringing in kids, and we, you know, Tom and I have talked about this before because in Thunderstrike. It's interesting because he's become such a full-blown character of his own. But Kevin Masterson, who later, of course, became right. Thunderstrike in Avengers Next, uh, when we created the whole premise of Eric being a single father and uh, having been divorced and all this kind of jazz, when, when we created him in Thor, you know, t- with the idea of him becoming Thor and all this, it was to echo the, uh, you know, his father-son relationship would echo Odin's father-son right. relationship with Thor, blah, blah, blah. Okay? All genius. But... I I don't always remember this, but the reason that Kevin Masterson's name is Kevin, <laughs> do you remember this, Tom? Probably not. Okay. The reason, that because you let me pick the name, and the reason I picked the name Kevin was because of the greatest American wow. hero. He had a son named Kevin who disappeared <laughs> oh. completely wow. from the series. And as much as I loved that series, Kevin would show up only occasionally and didn't show up at Ralph and Pam's wedding. And it was one of those things where nobody wants to handle the damn kid, so he, he just disappears. You know, he becomes like the, like the third brother in Happy Days or something, you know, that kind of thing. And I said, okay, if we're going to do this, then the kid's going to be part of the stories, right? And, and, I, and, yeah, I, and we christened him Kevin <laughs> to always remind us not to lose track of this now, very important Ron, part of Eric's Ron, I life. think I can look in your DVD is, collection. Do you have that big box set of the greatest American hero? Not, I didn't get the big box well, set. I bought it. I bought the, the first big box set that came, that came out with the cake. I'm a big fan, so. <laughs> yeah, well, as you know, what can I tell you? Not quite my speed, but what can I tell you? Yeah. I do have all three seasons, and um, you know, and the, and the bottom line is, we had the same conversation with Ben, uh, the baby Ben. If we're going to do Baby Ben, then we got to freaking deal with him. I mean, we have to show him there because we're, we're not going to say, oh, it's yeah. a good thing Aunt Felicia has him because, you know, seriously, who would give their baby to Felicia? But, you know, we, we talked about using, um, I'm sorry, I'm coming up on the name. The, oh, the cousin uh, we Christy. brought back in. Was it Christy? Um, Christy. Oh, Rob. Christy. Yeah. You know, that, like we, we could start <laughs> palming the baby off on Christy and all this kind of stuff. But the problem is, and I don't know. It's a, I don't think it's a problem for Tom. Is that his penciler <laughs> enjoys drawing Ben so much that yeah. um, I love doing the family scenes, and I love including Ben. Has been a great addition to it, and you know, it's interesting because I get to play so much of it visually. But the connection between you know Ben and Mayday is just fun for me, and the you know showing Pete as a dad is fun for me. And, you know, sometimes we get into this bad uh, cycle where we show May Day, uh, Mary right. Jane fielding the baby a lot. And, you know, we, we always kind of catch our breath and go, no, wait a minute, <laughs> and it's time to do Pete fielding the baby a lot, you know, and all this kind of stuff and kind of write that relationship even right. off panel the way we want it to be and everything. And uh, it's been great fun. I mean, it, it's, that's the thing. If you add a baby like to any TV show or something, right. it's a pain in the ass, storytelling-wise. But... You know, you have to deal with it. You're going to do it. Uh, the the end is it. near, guys. Trust me on, on the questions. <laughs> how, uh, the That's next okay. question is from Scarlet Spider, and uh, they ask, how does it feel to have the costume you drew in the first appearance of, of 252 appear in the upcoming movie? Is that kind of flattering to see it up on the big screen? 
Oh, he's talking about how the... he's referring to. What is he referring to? Yeah, oh, your the version's up. Oh, uh, it's going to be in the Spider-Man costume, 3 right? movie, so I just wanted... Well, since I didn't, since I didn't actually invent it, I you know we just got off of talking Spider Girl. Actually, the yeah. venom that they're doing in the movie looks more like the design that Pat Olive mm-hmm. came up with for Spider Girl number five, right? And it was dubbed Spider Venom. If you actually get a good shot of the movie Venom, he looks a lot like right. Spider Venom from issue five. I'm not saying they looked at it, but that's yeah. what the design really, really looks like. Um, as far as them dealing with the black costume concept, and you know, Tom and I have been doing a lot of interviews because of it. We, oh, we awesome. actually appeared on a DVD that shows that shows <laughs> how unhealthy freelancers look. Um, but basically, you know, we're getting we're getting a lot of attention. I, I I would probably be more attached. I mean, I'm very attached to it because I'm glad it's bringing some attention back to some of the stories we got to tell and everything. And it's a, it was right. a wonderful period of time for me creatively but you know since i didn't yeah. actually create the costume yeah i it's you know it's a little less of that you know i mean it, it's it's wonderful to that the work is being remembered and that the you know that they're coming back to the sources and they're now actually is it for that spider-man 2.1 dvd is that what you guys were interviewed for or? Uh, it was. It was they, they did a version of. It was a. It was oh, a Walmart okay. exclusive. Actually, they did a, a one and oh, two I did see that. with a, with an extra DVD. That's cool. It's called Origins or something like that. So, but I, we have no idea of whether it might show up anywhere else. I wish but, they would uh, release it separately because I didn't want to rebuy the movies I already had. I think kind of boxed them together. It seemed. Well, you know, if we really meant enough to, we would. Scarlet Spider, also kind of uh, along the same line you're talking about Baby Ben, uh, do you think uh, Ben will be the next (laughs) Spider-Man? Look in your crystal ball, Tom. (laughs) There you go. No comment. Yeah, if we we knew that, why would we talk about it? You know, I mean, come on. There you go. Watch the book. And, and, and with Ron, you've got to really yeah, look at the artwork. <laughs> uh, okay. Is that all you're going to say, Tom? You sure you don't want to say some more? Well, I, I mean, boy, did I hammer it in hard enough. <laughs> I, I, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, um, you know, a, a lost art is how to read comics today. Because um, a lot of comics and... You know, I'm not pointing any fingers, but some of them yeah. just There's not enough don't meat. have enough in them. Yeah. There's not enough meat. Um, and so people yeah. read them, you know, they read them quickly. Uh, you know, I love it when somebody says, you know, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I read this comic book, you know, uh, while standing <laughs> at the comic book shop, and here's my review. Um, so I think it's yeah. certainly a very, you know, insightful yeah. review because he spent all of four minutes with the comic book. Um, but with the comic books that Ron and I do, they are chock full of story, dialogue, and artwork. A lot of things are happening in panel backgrounds and stuff like that, that if you take a moment to study what, you know, what's going on, you're going to, you know, get a real... Yeah, I mean, and the question, like with Ben, I mean, is like, even if, if he runs the same way his sister did, his powers wouldn't, you know, develop until he hit, you know, his teens. Um, and so how would we know that? Because quite frankly, we're yeah. not planning on going that fast, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of something that we haven't really talked about or decided yet, but even if we had, you know, why would we, why right. would we discuss it this far in advance? 
But, um, you know, what Tom is talking about is uh, there's some stuff I've been doing, and frankly, I'm going to go ahead and mention it because it might start a conversation on the on, on the message board, is occasionally I will have Tom, and, or Tom, I will have Pete and uh, Mayday using their right. powers in very innocuous ways, uh, specifically their clinging power. And I've asked Tom, I said, do you notice that stuff? And he says, yeah, occasionally I do, and I think about some way of trying to mention it in the dialogue, but it never really seems, you know, it, it would seem forced, so I don't bother. And with all the things they talk about on the message board, I don't think anybody's ever mentioned it because I'm a pretty good lurker, and I, I think I would have noticed it if they had. Yeah. Maybe they have, and I've missed it. I don't know. <laughs> God knows when I get onto those long threads, I my my brain shuts down. But but uh, so maybe somebody has noticed it, mentioned it. But if not, it's working yeah. because, because I mean I've been doing it. I've been doing it for quite a while because it, it just occurs to me, you know, that these people have. An appendage, uh, an ability, a, uh, a, a something we don't have, and yeah. they have to be careful not to use it, you know, uh, ridiculously. But but the fact that you have a family environment where they all feel comfortable, yeah. um, you know, we've shown Pete sticking to the wall to put up her Sweet Sixteen poster, and we've shown you know things like that. But uh, I, I would occasionally would throw that kind of stuff in, and I know I've done it with Pete a few times. I know I've done it with Mayday, two or three times. And uh, nobody's ever actually called me on it, but maybe they just see it as a small laugh and not, not something to be mentioned. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, right. that's one of the reasons I love doing the family stuff is, you know, I enjoyed my family, and uh, yeah. I just think this would be a fun family because we get to yeah. see them who, who they really are. You know, we get to see them as they really are. And, uh, I mean, one of my favorite scenes that Tom and I worked on together was when Pete was yeah. trying to change Ben early on. <laughs> and he started, t- he was having trouble with it, so he started talking about <laughs> fighting the Sinister Six. And, uh, you know, because Tom and I talked about, you know, and then Mary Jane comes to the door and says, oh, if you're telling that story again, obviously yeah. you're having trouble with something. You know, so so Pete's the kind of guy that whenever he's trying to fix the toilet and it's not going well, <laughs> did I ever tell you when I had a ton of rubble on top of me and I was never quit, never That's give awesome. up, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but... <laughs> And uh, you know, so we we have fun you know, even now yeah. talking about how some of this would go down, and 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 it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a it's a wonderful little backdrop to have. Uh, for I guess if you get this question a lot. This is Scarlett's uh, last question. He says, "What's the best way to break into the comic biz?" Heck, you guys could write a book if you knew that answer. I bet. <laughs> I have written books. <laughs> um. I, you know, I think the the, the basic you know, piece of advice, um, you know, there are two different pieces of advices. If you're an artist, you know, draw, you know, about five pages of uh, fully penciled story, yeah. panel by panel continuity. Um, and show your characters doing, you know, um, you know, one page, at least one page should be a nice action page that shows actual continuity and not just the pose before the punch and the reaction yeah. after the punch. Um, and if you want to see, you know, some choreographed action scenes, pick up right. any comic Ron has drawn. <laughs> um, you know, and also do, uh, come on, Ron, and, any, any, and also a page of people doing, you know, Normal right. things, talking on the telephone, pouring a cup of coffee, uh, right. you know, having conversations. Because 
if you're going to be a comic book artist, you have to be able to yeah. draw. It's not all fight thing. scenes. <laughs> um, it, it, and not, yeah, not always yeah. with uh, the best reference you'd love. You know, I mean, it's kind of on the fly. You have to be able to create a willing suspension of disbelief. You have to, you have to be able to create a realistic enough environment that people get comfortable and the amazing stuff seems amazing to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it, you know, that's, I would, I would agree with Tom up to the point where you just, as if you're trying to get in as an illustrator, get as good as you can get, get, a, get a big help heaping helping of that objectivity I was talking about and get as damn good as you can get. And there are no, fantastic illustrators walking around going, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe Marvel didn't hire me because they, they, they're, they're always looking for the next, right. for the next big thing, the next new guy. And uh, so get good exactly. and you'll get hired. I, I, I can almost guarantee that. I mean, you know, Marvel's publishing enough material now that they'll get you something if you're good. You know I mean? It, it's like right. Stan would fight for the guys that were good. You know, <laughs> John, he wasn't going to let John Buscema get away. Right. You know, he wasn't going to let John Romita get away. You know, if, be good. Be valuable. He's Hit the deadline. Possibly, Tom, for writing. Uh, we don't know okay. whether he's talking about art or writing. Do we? Uh, okay, now, okay. Now, I also want to talk about writing just for a second. If you're uh -huh. going to be a, a comic book writer... First off, you don't want to just be a comic book writer. Uh -huh. You want to be a writer. And writers write. So write a bunch of, you know, write short stories, write articles, write anything, yep. and get it published. Because editors are a terribly <laughs> and superstitious lot, and no editor wants to right. be the first guy to take so. a chance on you. So... They need to know that right. you can actually do a job. Because when I was an editor, occasionally guys would show me fabulous samples. I would give them their first assignment yeah. and would never hear from them again. Um, so, so you've got to actually prove that you can actually get a job done. Because, you know, there are tons of wannabe writers out there. And I'm going to say... 99% of them oh, are I... better than me. The only difference between me and them is that when I sit down to start, when I start yeah. a story, yeah. I finish it. And when they start a story, they get yeah. to what I refer to as the hump. Right. And then they stop. And, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a lot of years, and I can tell you that every story you work on, you get to that hump where you look at this story and say, this is not the brilliant work of art I thought it was. I either finish it and are satisfied with this flawed piece, yeah. or I scrap it and start over. Um, and because, you know, the bottom line, you know, right. we were talking about criticism earlier and that sort of stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. when, when Ron and I look at our finished work, a lot of times we are uh -huh. not happy with the, the finished work. I've told Ron a lot of times that when a comic book comes out, you shouldn't look at it <laughs> because all it can do is depress yeah. you. I'm, I'm serious about this. All it can do, all the yeah. published work can do is, is depress you. Um, there were times when Ron and I used to work on Amazing Spider-Man that the comic would come out and he and I would go over the phone and we'd be Xing out panels and lines of dialogue that later on we looked and said, yeah. We really didn't need this. This was a waste of time. Right. This was, this didn't work. 
and ripping it apart. The, yeah. You know, when we talk about criticism, you know, most of the time when we're criticized, we're criticized for the wrong things yeah. and we're praised for the wrong things. Yeah, I tend and, to agree with that. You know, and we want to, you know, this is a real craft. Thank you. You know. Yeah, I mean, because that's that's the bottom line too. Both penciling and writing, uh, you know, you are serving a function. You're telling a story. The story is the point, and you you're telling the story as clearly as possible. And there are objective parameters to you know, visually and uh, through through writing on right. how to tell a story clearly and well. <laughs> Learn them, live them, and and you know and and. You would think one, you know, the, the the good things will all follow. You know, continued work will follow. But I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you're you you have to get past the mindset that you're being hired to impress the hell out of people with how you right. draw rubble or thumbnails. You know, I mean, you're you're being hired to tell the story as well as po- clearly as possible, as dynamically right. as possible, but also as clearly as possible. And the people that are able to do that are the ones that keep getting the work. And and the stories, the only thing that matters. Right is the actual story. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I love working with Ron is that when we approach a story, we both do it without ego. And he'll throw an idea, or I'll throw an idea, we'll just keep throwing ideas, and eventually the ideas mush in, into the, 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 the story. Um, in many regards, Ron and I are idea factories. You know, like this idea, we'll come up with 10 more. And, and we'll just keep throwing them out, throwing them out, and and sometimes we have this great idea and we're working on we're working on it and somebody says well what if what if we did this which means oh we got to throw out most of what we came up with but this is even I guess, better so uh, throw it up against the wall and see it. if it sticks which is kind of appropriate for Spider Man so <laughs> always yeah, always and, yeah. and 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 we do this constantly you know we've done right. it for you know over twenty years now um, and we you know and we're constantly surprising ourselves and, and coming up with with things. You know, uh, you, we've all run across these yeah. people that had this one idea. You know, somebody, you know, uh, so many times people say to me, hey, I have, I have a great idea for a story. <laughs> and I think, good for you. You know, uh, you know, usually I'm going to run through five ideas and yeah. that's on the first page of the story. <sighs> and usually when you say, oh, really? Because we don't really indulge it because it's not fair to ask what their idea is. Oftentimes they'll tell you anyway, and it's usually a hook or a bit or a shtick. Right. It's not a story. Yeah, and you know, to... stories have to be crafted yeah. around ideas, but but you know the idea is not the ball game. You know, I mean, and uh, that that becomes you know it's in the same way that just being able to draw big strong guys with lateral striations. Uh, looking really menacing yeah. is the ball game with uh, drawing a comic. Oh, book. go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. Now, to break into the in- industry, you know, as a writer, you've got to just write and prove that you can write. Well, I think you have to have worked on a <laughs> that WB seems to be the show, same, though, right? What? You have to have worked on a on a CW or a WB yeah. show, which I think, started... and then they hire you. I think a Spider Girl, you know, like in a Smallville kind of way, would be a great TV show. I think that would oh, be I, I, I'm waiting for somebody to wise up because 
I mean, I guess Sony would have to be involved yeah. because I wouldn't want to do it without Pete and Mary Jane. So, I mean, you know. But, yeah, the same way that uh, the, the right. Salkins did the Superboy series in yeah. syndication when the Superman movies were in yeah, the theaters. Yeah. I think it would be terrific. But, well, uh, you know, well, animated or otherwise, I mean, I'd love to see it live action because uh, I think everybody would be shocked, you know, because I, I, Tom and I have actually talked about who we see as Mayday. Oh, well, and I think everybody would be surprised, you know, because... Uh, because I'm actually, I actually am looking at like sitcoms and other shows, and yeah. I'm looking at 15 year old girls, you know, 16 year old girls. Well, who, who's your saying, favorite uh, really standout for the casting? You know, who do so, you like? Oh, I, I, I would be hard pressed to even give you names because as as they, as even as you discover oh, yeah. them, they've aged out of the part. Um, are you familiar with it? No, not really. I think I've TV heard of it, seasons? but I wouldn't know what the people look like. Okay. Well, it's the young okay. woman who plays the voice of Kim Possible, okay? And she is now aged out of the role, but I think she would have been a terrific May Day. There was the, the young actress who played the daughter on... Um, Jason uh, Alexander's show? What's that? Jason Alexander's show, uh, Listen Up. Yeah. Oh, that, okay. That, that's fine, too. That's not who I was thinking of. I was oh. thinking of the one that uh, Sandra Bullock produces with... Uh, uh, the. Uh, the, oh, the, the oh I can't think cat. of the name either. Right, uh, right. Um, the George Lope- Lopez the show. Yeah. show. Um, yeah. The George Lopez. Right. George Lopez. The, the girl that played his daughter, I thought, would have had a lot of this, a lot of the spunk for the role and all that kind of jazz. You know, so so I'm yeah. not looking for people to fill out the tights. I'm looking for kids who could who who could convincingly put across the uh, the kind of mature. Right. nature of that the character has to has to to to, to inhabit you know uh it, bring it off as i mean let her be a teenage girl and we'll stop the podcast right about there at the hour mark we still have another half hour of tom and ron answering questions from the spider-man crawl space message board part three of the interview will be released over the next few days now if you enjoyed the podcast let us know what you thought there's a thread on the crawl space message board already started discussing part two of the interview and we're also looking for reviews of the podcast in general. You can leave those on our iTunes page. Again, thanks for listening and be on the lookout for part three. We'll announce it on the main page of SpidermanCrawlspace.com.